Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day. Welcome back to Birds All Day. It is a very exciting time to be a, uh, a fan of the Toronto Blue Jays. It's a very exciting time because we got, we got one thing for you this week, and that, uh, that is transactions. We're coming to you a little bit early because of the trade deadline. So we're gonna, you're going to get this show earlier in the week than you would have. But you will probably notice that we didn't do a show last week. And that's something that Stoughton and I talked about. Uh, ooh, I bang the table here. Uh, Stoughton and I talked about whether or not we should have done a show last week because that was right in the middle of all the uh, Wildcat strikes. The, all of the, the, the players uh, withholding their labor, trying to affect positive change, trying to influence the powerful people that own uh, – sports franchises that own the television broadcasters and really trying to make an, a true impact. And uh, I, I don't know, we weren't sure if it was the right thing to do a show or not. I mean, this is not, these are not things that we typically shy away from talking about, but this really felt like a different kind of moment. Um, I think the Milwaukee Bucks um, were among the first teams to, to declare that they weren't going to play. They were, they were, they were going on what is, it was not necessarily dubbed, uh, a wildcat strike, but that's exactly what it was. It wasn't a union uh, sanctioned strike. It was not a union wide, uh, but these players decided that they weren't going to play, that they wanted to affect some change. They wanted to, to get at the, sit at the table and have some real conversations and see if the power of people who love and profit from sports cannot help them to seek justice where it is sorely lacking, um, across, um, the United States and Canada. And, uh, again, I, I don't want to speak for Stoughton. Uh, I, I'll, he's here. We'll bring him in, but, but, uh, I'm sure that he would echo my sentiment, say that we support that. We support those players, uh, and we support their decisions to try to do what they can and pull the levers that they have, um, in an attempt to try to make uh, the world a slightly less shitty place for even a day. Uh, and then, of course, it started in basketball, um, where there's been a lot of talk about social justice. There's been a lot of, um, kind of, uh, whitewashing, so to speak, of, of some of the social justice terms about, uh, about the ability for the players to speak out and express themselves and try to use the platform, as we, we hear a lot. Um, but baseball was a little bit slower, a little bit a step behind and maybe, a, maybe a day late, a dollar short. Um, but it happened. Uh, the Blue Jays, un- uh, unfortunately, maybe unfortunately for them, they were on the field when some of this this work action started to happen uh, in the NBA. Uh, so they weren't able to 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 take action that day. And then the following day, the Blue Jays uh, didn't play. Mostly, I think, because the Red Sox had said they weren't going to play. And the Blue Jays made statements uh, supporting it. And then, of course, these things start, stopped becoming maybe the same kind of work action as um, as there were a lot of more negotiations and a lot of things being being done on in a in a more open way as opposed to being like no no we're not just not going to play today uh, and the Mets and Marlins I think was the one that really stuck out for me because I don't think that there was an understanding that that was going to happen that the players weren't going to play that day but they went on the field and then they walked off and they put the Black Lives Matter t-shirt right on home plate and it was really really a powerful a powerful moment so with all that being said I think that it was you know, we, we, we talk about things like this on this show and, and I, I appreciate the people who, who reached out and said that they, they wished maybe we had done a show last week. Um, I think that I'm comfortable in our decision to not. Um, but somebody said something that, I, that really stuck with me and they said, look, there are lots of Blue Jays podcasts. And if they wanted to hear folks just talk about ball, there's no lack of places to find that. Um, but we don't talk about just baseball on the show. And so if you're listening to us because of that, um, thank you. Uh, we salute you and, and I'm, and these are so crucial and they're bigger than baseball. They're bigger than sports. They're bigger than two middle-aged white guys talking about things that are important to people who are more than just us. Um, but it, it means a lot that someone seeks that from us and that we are not just blowing smoke up each other's asses all uh, every week, um, which is what we usually do, but when we're not talking about baseball stuff. So, so thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, thank you to the, to the players who, who made a difference and were trying to make a difference who brought, um, some powerful folks to the table and who are, uh, I know in the state of Wisconsin at the very least, um, moving forward, uh, legislation, doing things that are more than just a logo on a, on a jersey or a superimposed, um, slogan on a, um, on a court. So, uh, again, a, a really, uh, interesting and powerful week. Something that, again, I don't, don't think that any of us expected to see from baseball, but we did. And we wish maybe the Blue Jays, I don't know what we wish with the Blue Jays players to be done. We can't tell them what we want them to do, but, but, um, it was just a really, it was a really powerful week. And I think that it was the right thing for us to take a break. And now we're back here today and ready to talk about transactions. 
about your your playoff hopeful Toronto Blue Jays. So as I said, Stoughton's here. I, I, I will bring him in. Uh, Stoughton, I don't I don't mean to steal the thunder. If there's anything you wanted to say, please please take the time and do so now. No, no, no. Uh, that was that was uh, very well said on your part. So I, I don't feel the need to add anything to it. I just uh, entirely agree. Awesome. So yeah, the Blue Jays, the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but they look pretty like a team that's going to be in the playoffs this year, given yep. the new structure. Where So there are, of <laughs> course, three divisions in the American League. And as I understand it, there'll be two teams from each division and then two wild card selections added to the mix. It's a lot of teams. It's a lot of teams. But the American League, bless its ignorant soul, is full of garbage teams. Teams that cannot even... Go- hold on for even a moment to a 500 record which leaves your toronto blue jays your your uh resurgent your uh i don't know what's another word for resurgent huge very good (laughs) thing yeah three or four games over 500 blue jays are in the catbird seat when it comes to the playoffs which is uh we haven't even really talked about it because it it's I don't know I, I'm having a hard time computing. They've only played like 30 games, but there's like less than 30 left. So here we go, Blue Jays playoffs. Let's go. Yeah, pretty much that. I mean, there are there are. I'm looking at the standings right now. There are eight American League teams with a positive run differential. They are one of them. Uh, that's really the whole difference between who's the playoff team and who's not. The Tigers are sort of hanging around. They're the Jays' next closest competition as we speak. Uh, Detroit's 16 and 16. The Jays are 18 and 15. Uh, the Tigers are terrible. Like they, they didn't, you know, sell everybody this, uh, uh, this week at the, at the trade deadline or over the weekend or here on Monday when we're recording this. Uh, but they damn well could have because they're just, they're not, they're not a baseball team. They, they, they could not possibly catch the juggernaut that is, uh, your Toronto Blue Jays, right? So, uh, you know, it, 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 you can't put your feet up, but it really does feel like, they, uh, their their future is in their hands. By which I mean the, their ability to, you know, go get swept by Oakland in early October is in their hands. <laughs> they have look look swept by Oakland is <laughs> we we would joke and all, so I think this is going to kind of inform the rest of our conversation. Two things, which is bless the Tigers. The Tigers were so bad last year, and the Tigers. They have, they've started to bring up some of their top prospects, but they also signed, signed some guys, right? They signed, uh, who was, was it? CJ Crone they signed, um, uh, Jonathan Scope. Like they didn't just roll over and run out the worst possible lineup that they could. They, I, I think actually they, they signed Crone, but I don't think he uh, played. Didn't he go to like play overseas or something like that? But anyway, they at least signed Scope. And that was before all of the, all of the, the COVID the shut down the league. So, they released being like, let's not try to make – they win a few more games than, than last year. And he, bless them, they are. But they are truly awful. Like you said, they're not a good team. They have a very strikingly bad uh, run differential, uh, which, again, the Blue Jays are, are positive. The Tigers are significantly negative. So, again, it's not theirs to have. But there aren't any real threats to it at this point. And the other thing I was going to say, even before all of these transactions here at the transaction deadline uh, – the Blue Jays aren't as good as the as Oakland. They're not as good as the Rays. They're not as good as uh, the Twins. Uh, but I wouldn't want to play them in a short series if I'm, especially if I'm a good team. I wouldn't want anything to do with the Toronto Blue Jays. No, because really, really not. Because you get you get Ryu, who has pitched very well after a, a slow start to this goofy season, uh, and that's no fun. And then you get you have a, like a bullpen that goes for days, and if you can maybe cobble like put Nate Pearson back together again, or, you know, any of these guys, you can run a bunch Ty- of these. Taiwan Walker's pitching. Oh, you got Taiwan Walker now, which of course we'll get to him, but uh, that's no fun. And the Blue Jays can score, a th- they can score runs and runs and runs and they can hit home runs. And, you know, all you got to do is get them running the bases or trying to catch the ball and maybe you'll be okay. But if you can keep the game to its absolute most elemental, if you're the Blue Jays, you got a shot. You're in there with a puncher's chance, I think is what I would say. No matter who they play, boom, boom, puncher's chance. Uh, yeah, no, no, I think that's absolutely true. So they traded for a bunch of guys in the last, since last we spoke. So you've mentioned one of them already. Let's let's start it off. Taiwan Walker acquired for I believe it was just a player to be named later, wasn't it? 
It was, yes. From the Seattle Mariners, which of course was the, uh, I think it was the original team that drafted Walker, who is yes. something of a post-hype prospect now, who was a top prospect for the longest time, H- had a really difficult time kind of putting it together uh, for an entire campaign, I believe at least, who showed flashes of, of greatness and then was pitching really well this year. Yeah, I, I mean, he got. I think he got hurt too. Is the other thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I think he kind of. I think you're you're right. And then he kind of started to get it together in Seattle, and then, uh, and then got hurt. I know he missed most of. I think he pitched like one inning last year. Uh, but yeah, he's a he. He pitched very well in his first uh, start with the Jays. Uh, said that he didn't have his best stuff, and that he was kind of, you know, searching for his curveball, which wasn't good, and his changeup he wasn't real happy with, and yet he still managed to like. Just not allow good contact at all. I mean, granted, it was the Orioles. Uh, didn't strike out a ton of guys, but you know, just uh, you know, looked looked the part of a guy who can do all that this team needs their starting pitcher to do uh, and win a ball game, which is you know maybe pitching to the damn seventh inning. <laughs> if that, even pitching to the sixth, give them five yeah, right. innings, and you <laughs> apparently are ahead of the game, but. Uh, there's there is quite a bit to like. You're, you're right about him being hurt. He only he's only made ten starts since 2017 uh, after the 2017 season. So um, you know, really battled, uh, struggled to to stay healthy. Um, a guy who is a free agent at the end of the year. So uh, very much a rental player, but a rental player that comes at a low acquisition cost. Not as low as the Mariners. They signed him for nothing. He was a free agent when I guess he was non tendered or something by by Arizona. Uh, but they. And, and I think this is the, what we're going to continue to see through these the, the deals that the Blue Jays have made here in the last week or so, is that they 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 seem to recognize where they are in the pecking order, and that making the playoffs and winning more games than they lose is a nice touch. But there are no, they don't seem in any way interested in, to mortgage the future for a, an uncertain present and near present. Is that fair to say? I think that's entirely fair to say. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't think that the Padres mortgaged the future, but they obviously uh, gave up a lot more talent than the Blue Jays did, and they're in a, in a different position. But it, it's interesting the dynamic, because you know, how much how much of an improvement if you're the Rays or the Yankees or you know or Oakland or any of the other contending teams, like you know, Ross Stripling maybe doesn't move the needle for a lot of teams, but it does for the Blue Jays, and and that does it. You know, Hold on. The, well, okay, we'll we'll get to him. <laughs> Uh, Taiwan Walker certainly does. I mean, I think anybody could have used him, and that, that that was interesting to me that the Jays ended up, you know, paying the price to get him. I think Jim Bowden said, or somebody said that it was uh, it, it's going to be a top, a top twenty or top thirty prospect, like twenty to thirty range kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had somebody suggested to me uh, that they knew, and I'm not sure, you know, what to make of that, but uh, because they're, they're not like in the Jays organization or anyone else, but they're but they're, they're a little plugged in. Uh, but suggested Will Robertson is perhaps a guy who, you know, my immediate my immediate thought was, yeah, that sounds familiar. Who the fuck is he? And he's I think he's a second rounder for 2019, uh, which would be not uh, not a, a, a shocking move based on sort of the track record. I know the Jays, you know, they moved. Uh, uh, JD or JB Woodhouse for uh, uh, the Lemmy's Diaz deal, I believe, mm. uh, who was very, you know, very recently a high pick. They just moved Griffin Conine today as well in uh, in their deal with uh, for Jonathan VR, uh, who's maybe an even better prospect than uh, than Robertson, if that even is who it is. But I mean, these are the kind of guys that we're talking about. We're not really talking about the crown jewels of the system. Uh, and it, it's interesting, like, I, as I was saying, you know, with the, uh, that these guys, you know, Jonathan VR helps the Blue Jays. I know he could help, but they they kind of are, are, we're in that spot where they are bad enough that they need enhancements of their floor, uh, but still good enough to be in a playoff position. Whereas a lot of the other contenders, I think, were like, well, this guy might not help us enough to be worth, you know, giving up anything for. Uh, but I think you got to commend the Jays for that. You know, go out and get better. I do too, and I think that that what we as uh, as people who do this job and folks who are like plugged in fans, um, I feel like even though they people love to still hug prospects even after they're gone, such that when a guy who may have been like at a great distance from the big leagues, say they're a top twenty, top thirty prospect, and then they get traded, and then somehow they kind of like percolate up to the big leagues, all the finger pointing starts. 
This is, the Ed, this is the Edward uh, Olivares. Thing. Exactly. Like, just let it go. Yeah, they traded him. He wasn't even a top 20 prospect of theirs. Maybe they misread his talent. Maybe he improved. Maybe the Padres and, and he were able to click and, and it helped to make him a better ball player. Let it go. Or maybe they pushed him so that they could use him to get Trevor Rosenthal and send him to Kansas City. Whatever it is. <laughs> Which is what happened. Just let it go. These, if, if a guy two, three years down the road turns into a, turns into a guy, turns into a piece, unless, it's, unless it was like a clear case of, of malpractice and just absolute um, um, uh, professional foolishness, you know, let it go. If Edward Oliveras or whatever, is that his name, Oliveras? Uh, if yeah. he makes it to the big leagues, good for him. Good for him. Good for the Padres. Players, player development success. Thing I've said on this show before in the old days and in the new days, you want people to believe in your player development as well. You don't want to turn have these guys be, I don't know, paper tigers or like a kind of they look good on paper and 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 they put up a gaudy stat line in low A. And then you trade them and then they 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 fizzle out. Then people think that you're the Rays who are just like snake oil and and kind of selling, giving you you know. Three, three dime, you know, two dimes for a quarter, sort of thing. You, you just if 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 the players that the Blue Jays trade, if they are if they're good, if they get better and move on, that's good. That's good for the Blue Jays. That's good for uh, for the organization because that it demonstrates that their player development system can and does work. So take it as a W, even if if the trade that they made initially was underwhelming. If it was for uh, Yandrew Solarte or whoever it was, uh, what what deal was the was Edgar? That was that was the Olivares. Yep. That was for Solarte. Yeah. Yeah. They were trying to put a professional player on the field at the big league level. They were trying to improve the product. Oh, something that they've done this week uh, by jettisoning Brandon Drury and uh, and adding some professional players uh oh. you, you, your race thing just reminded me because i saw somebody retweeted earlier of the, the sam miller tweet just love this trade for the rays who'd they give up who'd they get yeah exactly <laughs> fuckers and i i've i've said it you know the the rays i curse them i curse their very existence but the they have something where they bring guys in and they they tend to be good when they're here and then they when they're there and then they tend not to be as great when they leave so what is it that they're doing down there other than giving them all kinds of wild illegal drugs? So Taiwan <laughs> Walker is like probably well, other than VR. We'll move to VR now. So Taiwan Walker, I would say, is a, stands to be or has the potential to be an actual upgrade on what they have on oh, the yeah. floor yeah. of their starters. Jonathan, Jonathan VR is a guy that if the Jays had wanted, they could have signed. He was a free agent in the offseason. They could have signed him just like everybody else could. Instead, he had to settle for Miami, or perhaps he chose to go to Miami because who wouldn't? If you want to live in Miami, that's a good place to do that. That's the best place to live if you want to live in Miami. I can't think of any other better, frankly. <laughs> but VR is a guy that maybe didn't fit in the Blue Jays' plans in the winter, but now. Well, when you have Brandon Drury, you obviously have to get him at bats. You got to fit. Well, also, at the, at the time, <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was the third baseman. Also true, yeah. And Bo Bichette was a shortstop. And, and Kevin Biggio and, and Brandon Drury uh, and whomever else, Santiago Espinal, could be playing shortstop and plugging in other holes elsewhere. And then the reality of the season set ha- has become such that you don't have a third baseman that's very good these days because Travis Shaw is not great. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was not in any shape to play third base, so he's moved to first. And even though he is shaping up and swinging a very, very hot bat and looks like the Vlad Guerrero Jr., the prince that was promised, he looks like he is his OPS uh, going into today's game was almost identical to his OPS at this point exactly one year ago when he was riding high. Then he kind of ran out of gas. Fingers crossed. Doesn't happen again. But... The reality of the situation was they have a need now. They have a need to raise the floor a little bit. They've been given too much playing time to Joe Panic, who's cooked. They had they gave so much Brandon playing time to Brandon Drury. They were like done with all of this, and then they've got now they're playing Panic at shortstop because Bichette's hurt again. So you need a guy like VR who a can play some infield positions. I don't know that he does is, is especially good in any of them. No. I think but, that's correct, yeah. But the bar is low. And I, I think that he's attractive because he can run the bases like a fucking maniac, which apparently <laughs> uh, somebody, I, I'm not, their name escapes me as they cover the, they cover the Marlins. But I guess they, the, the belief was that VR doesn't, didn't fit with the culture because they found yes. him to be a reckless ball player. Which, uh, here, take my money. Have it all, Jonathan VR. This is, this is what we do <laughs> around here. This is how this works. You play, Craig Mish, like, by the way. Craig Mish. Craig Mish? Yeah. Mish. Craig Mish. You play like your hair's on fire. 
and you take needless, reckless chances on the basis. Which, if we could pause the transaction talk, mm-hmm. uh, do we want to like really quickly kind of uh, arbitrate the, the game today and this decision? The the, the uh, Guriel trying to score in the eleventh inning with the would have been the tying run. Sure, you have opinions mean- on that. So, of course, if you haven't seen uh, Monday's game, the Blue Jays played in the afternoon against uh, the Orioles. And uh, having fallen behind in the in the 10th inning, they had plated one run. They was they went into the 11th. They were down 4-2. to two. They, they plated one run. It was 4-3. to three. And then I'm not sure if uh, Gurriel was on first or second. But there, he was but on first. He was on first. Yeah. So Rowdy Tellez uh, released a line drive into the right field kind of corner. Uh, and Anthony Santander sort of ran over and fielded it. And he recognized that Guriel was probably going to try to score. So he kind of like heaved it into the infield. And they went to first base where there was nobody standing. So Luis Rivera made the decision to send Lourdes Guriel home uh, where he was a dead duck because Jose Iglesias did his best Derek Jeter impression and ran across the infield and grabbed that errant throw that was going to nobody and fired a strike because Jose Iglesias is a brilliant defensive shortstop. And then Guriel was up by a mile. Uh, what do you think? You got a, you got you have problems with this with this play? You good with this? I I really don't know. I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, obviously on this podcast, I'm not I'm not going to get shouted down by by preaching conservative base running. But, <laughs> but no, I feel no. I I was totally fine with it. I, I I'd have to rewatch it to see the brilliance of uh, of Iglesias there. If it, I don't know if it, I mean, it, it couldn't it couldn't possibly hold a candle to Jeter. I mean that play. They're still talking about it twenty years ago, uh, twenty years later. Like, I mean that must have been something. That to man. to Jeter's credit, uh, Jose Iglesias was was much further away and had to make a much better throw. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I I'm I'm all for it. Get get aggressive. I think I think my uh, obviously i'm not i'm not going to be critical of of aggressive base running the throw from santander from right field was awful and to nobody and i think the only problem was that that guriel did not expect to be sent and yeah. it didn't look like he was like really at full uh, full yeah. trot when he I came around that, third base a seemed a little and taken I, aback may have not taken a great route as he was kind of cruising into third base which maybe you want to put on Guriel for not playing hard every you know second of every game and then or in this game uh, I should say um, but I I don't know I that was I believe Richard Griffin uh, who the Jay's, Jay's PR guy doing some PR for uh, for his coaches had a tweet that basically uh, laid it out that way and just said there's no, there, there's no winning for for uh, Louis Rivera because he should have sent him but Guriel was slowing up as he came into third or was not. You know, not at top speed as it came into third, and that was probably what the issue was, which I think is what you just said. Yeah. The bigger point is, and then we'll move back to the transaction talk. Is that the Blue Jays <laughs> don't have a lot of speed. They have Teoscar Hernandez, who's a very fast runner, uh, frankly, and has stolen, mm-hmm. I believe, five bases this year to his credit. Bobuchet is, is a good and fleet runner when he's on the field, and uh, again, a player who plays very aggressively. Uh, but other than that, there there aren't a lot of fast guys who can make things. Well, Grichuk, I guess, is fine. Uh, guys who can like make things happen with their feet. Uh, the rest of the Blue that Jays. I think I, that's a key difference because I because VR is pretty pretty much in the middle of the pack in terms of sprint speed. Mm-hmm. If you look at his Statcast numbers, uh, which is down, he was you know he was more to the above average side. I think it was in, he's in the seventy second uh, percentile last year. This year that's down, but also that could be part of you know the an attempt to maybe fit into the Marlins culture of not being reckless. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, so, but, but, but nonetheless, you know, even with a sprint speed at that rate, you know, at, you know, of the 70, 72nd percentile or whatever it was last year, he still managed to steal 40 bases. I mean, he was caught nine times, uh, but he's out there trying and he, you know, he's picking his spots well enough uh, despite not being like a Billy Hamilton. So yeah, the Jays could use guys like that who, who, even if they're not, you know, true burners do know how to actually run the bases. And I, and I, I was writing about this and I tweeted about it a bit, uh, you know, his uh, VR's base running, you know, runs above average, you know, that you can get from fans, fan graphs. It's the component of war, which I think has, you know, weighted stolen base runs and, and, you know, jumps and, and uh, you know, taking extra bases all, mm-hmm. all sort of compounded mm-hmm. into it. He was, uh, he was the big league leader last year. And, uh, you know, given that he's given that he was caught nine times, uh, you know, which is not that bad, but uh, uh, 
you know, given that, there's obviously, I think, other stuff that go, that has that went into that, which would indicate that yes, he is a good base runner, and he is going to take extra bases, and he is going to not <laughs> just cruise into third and then tumble into the plate <laughs> dead by like fucking ten feet. <laughs> he stole sixty bases a few years ago. Sixty in what? I can't even. I, I'm not going to look it up now, but I I would struggle to think of the last time a Blue Jay stole forty. As he did, um, I guess Rajay Davis probably got pretty close to that back, you know, not that long ago. But um, it's just a different element that they don't necessarily have. Bichette runs bases pretty well, but Kevin Biggio is, is, is as, as everyone loves to fall all over themselves describing Kevin Biggio as such a heady ball player. Seems to like take the the craft seriously and like grab, will swipe a bag or, or two here or there. But uh, it's just nice to have. That a guy who's not having a great year at the plate, but um, VR isn't, of course. But again, he doesn't have to be the best player in the league. He has to be better than the other options out there. And considering how many at bats they've given to Panic and Drury and even um, you know Travis Shaw, uh, any upgrade is an upgrade. And, and it's just a matter yeah. for uh, for me of just like lengthening the lineup a little bit more and not having so many black holes because they still do have a couple. The, this I wrote when I you know I wrote about it today. I wrote about all the the transactions that the Blue Jays made uh, here on deadline day, and I, I sort of likened it to even though there's obvious differences, uh, a little bit like Ben Revere, which is a move I didn't like at the time in 2015. But he's a guy who you know doesn't have the the, the weighted runs created plus isn't great, but the the but you know he's got he hits for average and he does get on base a little bit. Uh, the power this year, especially maybe just because he's in Miami, has not been there the way it was last year. Uh, or any year of his career, so maybe a move to Buffalo will help him in that regard. But, but yeah, he's a guy who derives his value from other places and allows them, in the, much the same way as Revere, to not just have a hilariously inept <laughs> combo of players going out there every day and making fools of themselves at a defensive position, uh, which I believe is basically, you know... Uh, what the hell is his name? I know they were playing Colabello and left a lot in 2015. Mm. And uh, they Ryan Goins out there a little bit back in those days. I think so. Yeah. And uh, who was the guy who they lost? They let go on waivers. Uh, who got in a fight? With, oh, Danny uh, Valencia. Country Danny Valencia. That's right. Yeah. Not not uh, hits okay, but not a uh, an outfielder. Not not a fun guy to be around, uh, especially if you uh, are one of his teammates. Uh, I will I will update it. I did look. Uh, Rajay Davis, in fact, stole forty five and forty six bases in consecutive seasons for your Toronto Blue Jays. So an element they haven't had since two thousand and thirteen, when last that many bags were swiped. Jose Reyes stole thirty in twenty fourteen. Remember when Jose Reyes, Kevin Pilar stole twenty five bases in twenty fifteen? That's got to be a mistake. All right, our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Look, this is something that we don't talk about often, but it's something that just got to get done sometimes. And let me tell you, the premium lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and includes an LED light and is made with advanced skin safe trademark technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicate, delicates, I guess is what I should say. You can get this trimmer inside their perfect package 3.0, which also includes the manscaped cropped preserver Ball deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toning Spray, all words I'm actually saying out loud, both super practical and they smell great too. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Boxer Briefs have optimal temperature control with their crop cooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported. Waistband is super elastic to reduce chafing and rubbing you gotta try these out for yourself if you want to do that you can get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code the athletic 20 all one word at manscape.com so again get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code the athletic 20 at manscape.com use that code from the moose to the caboose always use the right tools for the job 
So speaking of uh, exhausting all options, and then another transaction the Blue Jays made was Daniel Vogelback, uh, <laughs> a very big and thick boy. Is what Dan Vogelback is. He is a chonky one. Um, they, there was a lot of jokes been made about the Blue Jays, um, uh, offensive line with like between Rowdy Telez and Vlad and out Vogelback and Tanner Rourke and even, uh, Hyunjin Ryu. They got some, some big, uh, some big fellas in the mix. Got another one on the taxi squad now, too. Oh, that's right. They could, they added Alejandro Kirk to the taxi squad. So here's the thing. About about Dan Vogelback, my guy has not really had a great success at hitting big league pitching. <laughs> That's true. He is really having a rough go this year, and he did. He played a lot last year. He was almost an everyday player, and he did a lot of the things that he you was like an all star last year. An all star, and, and then I think he just completely collapsed in the second half. He, and sort of he hit thirty home runs to his credit. Um, he also played for the Mariners, who I'm not sure how many other all-star caliber players he might have been uh, teammates with. That, I'm pretty sure I've heard people say that. I'm not. I'm certainly not remembering it from watching the goddamn all-star game. <laughs> I wait, I wait, oh, is this Dan Vogelback's time to shine? Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's there, a guy who likes to draw a walk. Um, he hasn't like struck out a lot this year. But it's just he just seems like another one who kind of ticks a couple boxes and doesn't cost anything to acquire. Um, I think that's yeah, and and also won't cost anything to lose either. Right? That's very that's very important. Yeah, don't don't uh, let, go, let go lightly. Uh, but like what, what got a got a plate appearance in the All Star game too. What good does he do? Saw, really saw, saw five pitches. Bless him. Then, Worked account. And then fl- flew out. What I guess the question I have is what does what does Vogelback do that Rowdy Tellez doesn't? Sees five pitches in an appearance? I don't know. Uh that's a great question. And that was, you know, that was the guy that I think a lot of people, myself included, pointed to when the Vogelbach move, Vogelback move. I keep saying Bach, I don't know why. Uh too much football cause, manager. Because yeah, perhaps that's what it is. Uh <laughs> Yeah. A- anyway, uh, I'm sorry. Now I'm just I'm thinking about my uh, you know my left back situation. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I it it, it maybe it's to, maybe it's I, I don't think that they would do it solely just to push Rowdy, but they just had nothing on the bench on the bench at all, right? Uh, especially when Drury was around. Um, you know, they could use an extra lefty. They could use a guy who, like you say, takes a couple boxes. He can he'll actually, you know, work the count, and maybe they'll catch lightning in a bottle. That seems to obviously be their their mo uh, here at the straight. They're like, why don't we get guys who were good before but suck now? See if we can fix them, and then you know, we got a month. We're probably in the playoffs anyway. Maybe it'll help. And I kind of think it's a thing like that, but it's going to be hard to see him getting a ton of playing time, especially if Rowdy, you know takes this for the signal that i think it is and is like oh man yeah maybe i maybe i can't take this for granted not that i don't think he was but mm. uh you know you, it it doesn't hurt sometimes to have a little bit of competition uh, and rowdy had none no you, that that's not un- not unfair i mean i get rowdy's in, in that way the competition is like is when you think about it, it within the the current roster as it's constructed the the competition is you know, Travis Shaw and then maybe Vlad, right? Where it's like you're fighting for are you fighting for first base and DH uh plate appearances against against those guys and as they've made these other moves, that maybe that makes that makes Vogelback uh uh maybe uh, less viable. Because now it's like, okay, well we I don't have so. to I mean he did come up in the game today that we we spoke about before. He did in fact draw a walk. Um I I was I was uh, I was in I was in the gym, but it seemed like that that plate appearance that Vogelback had had about three different strike threes from where I was standing. I was like, Oh, I can't believe this is still going on. <laughs> but uh but yeah, maybe he can draw a walk, but that's not really Rowdy's um strength, not something he's shown a lot of in the in the big leagues anyway, is the ability to to work at bat like that. But he has in fact I'm surprised to see this. Uh, Rowdy Telez's strikeout rate. What if you had to guess? I'm going to throw it out to you here. I'm going to put you on the spot. What percentage of plate appearances does Rowdy Telez strike out in this year? I I looked at it recently, so it's kind of like cheating. Hmm. But I feel it's it, it is lower than you would think. It's like fucking 
16 or 18 or something. It's stupid just like under that. 18. It went, it, he didn't yeah. strike out today. So it, it went to like 17 and a half percent, which is like below league average, which is not the vibe that you get. His, his walk rate is probably right at or, uh, or slightly mm-hmm. above league average. So, uh, you know, not the worst thing in the world. He is maybe on his way to becoming more of a tr- three true outcomes kind of guy. Uh, uh, if he's able to like up that walk rate a little bit, but he's got ridiculous power, right? That, that's no, there's no, doubting Telez's power he has hit mm-hmm. tape measure shots and uh, what do they call that light tower power he's got that for sure which so does Vogelback and Vogelback is, is obviously fun to cheer for a thick boy like that so uh I don't know like you said catch lightning in bottle if you need someone to go up there and work on that bat you need someone to get up there and see if you can either if you're going to willing to walk him or groove a groove one that he can crush not the worst thing in the world like you said in this bit of a bit of a laboratory September as the Blue Jays sort so. of figure out where they are and what it's going well, to take to just keep winning, win one more game than you lose a week. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like, I mean, Rowdy can be optioned and Vogelback, Vogelback can be released, right? So they're, they're not real strongly committed to either of them. They, they obviously have a spot for them, but as say Bichette gets healthy as you know maybe Kirk takes a spot on the on the roster he he certainly has hit every time we've ever seen him at the big league level even though he's never played above Dunedin um but that's you know that's an interesting option and and it'd be much like Vogelback and much like VR like I don't know it'd be hard to do worse than what the Jays catchers are currently doing at least at the plate right so uh so I yeah they they just they have they have options and the the that is probably a thing they like very much that uh, they can do there but yeah it is it's hard you know it's hard to see how Vogelbach and Rowdy uh, coexist for very long. It, it, it just uh, it seems like um, like too much too much to love you know anything <laughs> more than a handful is a waste and the Blue Jays are uh, definitely in that kind of a uh, that kind of a space. And especially as you as you rightly mentioned, because Vlad's in the first base DH mix as well mm-hmm. for now. Gonna, gonna go back to third next year. Let's go. Yeah. You know, I would, I would, uh, if that happened, I wouldn't be mad. If he, it, it seems as though I, I, we're obviously skewed by his results, but it, he does appear in a way to be playing himself into better shape. Now, the fact that he's hitting makes it easier to see and feel that way. Um, but it's not. Well, I, th- I, I think so. Yeah. I think it's, and he, and it's not just from playing too. I mean, he spoke to the media, I think last week and talked about, uh, you know, working every day or almost every day with their strength and conditioning coach, like going, that's the first thing he does. He goes in, I think it was 45 minutes or an hour he does, uh, with him before he goes to, you know, Guillermo, uh, Martinez, the hitting coach and goes to the cages, prepares, you know, look, you know, does game plan kind of stuff about, you know, uh, but that's become a big part of his routine. Uh, since the restart, since they were like, oh, 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 no, no, you're not playing third base coming back to the, come back looking like that. Uh, and good on him. Good on him. Uh, and, and the, the results at the, at the current moment are, uh, certainly supporting that as a positive development. Yeah. And I, I think him. they, I, and I think they would tell you, I think maybe they said it out loud last year as well. Like they would, they would prefer him to stay at home or not stay at home to stay in Dunedin with them. Over the winter, I think that they think that would probably be the best for his conditioning and stuff. Which obviously, he has every right to not do that, to you know, to go home and have a life and whatever. And uh, but one wonders if uh, maybe his experience this year will uh, will change his mindset in that regard, and maybe we'll see him. He's only got one more year making the minimum, so it's time to start thinking about those checks. Start to right. think about those checks, Vladdy. Now. You talked about guys, uh, uh, an attitude that seems to suggest, um, see if we can catch lightning in the bottle. And I would say that the, the next two transactions the Blue Jays made acquiring, uh, is it Stripling or Stripling? I think it's Stripling. They acquired Ross Stripling from the Dodgers and they acquired Robbie Ray from the Diamondbacks. Uh, those are definitely by low guys. I saw that was the headline. Like Blue Jays get Ross Stripling from the Dodgers. And I was like, Oh, on purpose? Because he has not been good at all. 
this no, year. So I went to I did what every self-respecting baseball analyst would do is I went to his Statcast page, and the thing that jumped out was like all of his numbers are abysmal, like his ex, average exit velocity, average weighted on his weighted on base, strikeout rate, this rate, all terrible, blue, like bottom of the barrel. But uh, fastball spin rate, slider spin rate, high, <laughs> thumbs up. And that's why he's a Blue Jay. I don't I don't think it's any more complicated than that. He was a was pretty good last year. He's he's had some decent success oh, yeah he's i mean you know you can't necessarily measure i mean the dodgers have a, have a pretty good ballpark for pitchers but yeah i'm just i'm looking at his uh, baseball savant Statcast page this from last year and it's it's quite a lot better uh there's some there's some hard reds there and uh expected dra and expected weighted on base uh you know 80th percentile both of those like uh and i think if you look at the eras obviously that's going to be Slightly affected by, say, Dodger Stadium, but you know he he's been sub four ERA for like five years. Like he's a pretty good pitcher uh, when he's not the, <laughs> pitching in twenty twenty. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that that's uh, and, and that's I think we could say exactly the same about Robbie Ray as well. Uh, like exactly the same that he just has completely uh, lost everything except for that fastball spin rate. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Stripling has been interesting. He's been a swing man. That's probably not his preferred spot. Uh, I know that he was kind of upset. Uh, he said, "I wrote about this uh, in, in you know discussing the trades here on Monday." Like uh, he spoke on the Athletics' very own podcast about the Dodgers, which I want to say is the the Scribes of Summer, hmm. uh, Pedro Mora and Andy McCullough. Uh, he was like, oh, it was a win-win to go to the Dodgers. You know, like he, you know, was going to stay in the same city, but was going to get a chance to to play with Mike Trout and Otani, and obviously, you know, the Angels are uh, are, are are a wonderful juggernaut of a team as we've seen this year. Dear God, <laughs> but but so he like he was kind of disappointed when that deal fell apart. Which I mean, if you don't remember, was around the time of the Betts trade to the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. They had a they had one. Uh, there was a deal for where Stripling and Jock Peterson, uh, somebody else, Jock Peterson would go to the Angels. Uh, that I think Artie Moreno ended up calling off because the, the Dodgers kept delaying because they were like, "Oh yeah, getting Mookie Betts over here." <laughs> uh, so you, you, we could we could hold off on this for a little bit, and so he ended up going back to the Dodgers. Did start uh, seven times for them this year. Wasn't really in the swingman role. Got a chance, and then was fucking terrible. <laughs> so. Uh, I, I do think that there, you know, he's got control left. Uh, I think that there's like two more years after this one. He's maybe a guy where the Jays are thinking, okay, Hatch and, and K are, you know, it, it would be nice to like have an impediment to have them to like being forced to have them back in these same roles. Like they'd like them to not give up on starting forever, I think. And that's probably the right thing to do. So if you have a guy, uh, you know, if you trust Yamaguchi a bit more, if you have Stripling, Maybe you don't feel as compelled in 2021 to uh, to let them continue in these roles that they've been successful in, and you know if there's not a spot in the rotation for them, which uh, which there may not be. So I don't know. It's uh, it's another bullpen arm. I mean, it's like the other. It's like the other guys. It's like you know VR. You can look at him and find faults, but he's replacing Brandon Drury and and Stripling's replacing you know Jacob Wagesback. So. Uh, you don't have to the bar's not real set real high i guess no and and i think you you again if you can get these guys right or right or right enough um they can give you added dimensions if you're going to run out of every game's a bullpen game if you get into into late september and into october and it's you know who you're going to throw out there and if it's if you are the if say you have a team I'm, i don't know offhand a, a playoff team that might have a lot of big left-handed bats and then you are the blue jays and you're like hey we're gonna throw robbie ray at you robbie ray is gonna strike out 30 percent of the people that he faces he might walk 20 percent, which is where he's at this year <laughs> which is astounding truly astounding i don't think i've ever seen a walk rate that high um but again it's not these are not normal times but um if the Blue Jays are able to like rein it in and sort of figure, help them figure things out and give them some time and give them some low leverage innings when they're beating up on the Orioles or whoever they, they would typically play pummel, uh, the Red Sox, for example, then let Robbie Ray get out there and, uh, and maybe figure it out. And then if that's like an opener type of situation or okay, we'll give Robbie Ray gets three and then Stripling gets two and then you're into the, the meat of the, of the Blue Jays bullpen, which is growing by the day. Um, 
they have they have depth and and they have guys that can give you a look and can maybe flummox you if you're a good team looking ahead to the next round and the next thing you know well we lost to Ryu and now we got to figure out like you know how are we, what are we going to do with this melange of guys that they're just going to heave at us so <laughs> uh it's tr- it, it i mean it is true i mean the bullpen i think i don't know if you, anybody follows i uh, know you do uh, josh Housem, who was uh who wrote for bp toronto for a long time and and uh, uh podcast there does it doesn't write enough anymore but this always does great work uh he's been tweeting about you know what the bullpen looks like and it's it, you know it's pretty good like a, a bullpen day is like a fucking he, he's like you could you could have a bullpen day in the playoffs you know with your merryweathers and your your uh barucky's and hatches and uh yamaguchi's and dolices and yeah there's like there's guys there and and just adding to this adding to this collection uh is pretty good and then you know who knows what's gonna happen with jordan romano which would be a shame if he is out an extended time but ken giles coming back and pearson could end up being in the bullpen mix if they you know choose to to maybe not unleash him fully and maybe go with the you know uh when he comes back because it sounds like he's you know on his way mm-hmm. i think he was throwing at 90 feet this week um ken giles is close yeah. And yeah, and it's also you know just thinking about uh, internally, uh, just the way that you know they're, they're they've obviously got an, an advanced and and robust system. You know they're not just looking through binders like they used to, right? I mean these guys are uh, you know teams are are very cognizant of a lot of data points on players, a lot of scouting stuff, and and surely you know they're not. I mean, maybe maybe the cost is so low they're just guessing, but I but I would think that they at least have some sort of idea. Like, oh, we should we should try this with Robbie Ray. We should try this with Stripling and see if we can, you know, like like not just not just like oh here we are. Let's see how you throw. And maybe we can fix it then. Like maybe having an idea uh, already in mind and maybe targeting them in particular because of the low cost and because they think they can fix something. Uh, and it's something I think Ben Nicholson Smith tweeted about it. I wrote about it today. It's something that's worked well for them uh, in 2016, right? When they got Jason Grilly, they got Joaquin Benoit, they got Francisco Liriano, who were all guys having rough years with track records of success. Uh, and then they, they, those guys were all really, really useful to them uh, in a team that made the playoffs. And if I may be so indelicate, When you treat players like, um, like, like goods and services, and you acquire a guy that is not part of your long term plan and is a free agent at the end of the season, and you have the you can dangle like we're a competitive club. Maybe you can, we'll pitch you. You can pitch in the playoffs. Maybe you make an extra check. Maybe you really put it together and show teams what you can do. You can ride those guys hard and put them away wet. Like you can fuck them up. And be like, we're going to teach you how to throw a cutter, Robbie Ray. We, we've got this guy in our system who teaches this nasty cutter. And then Robbie Ray is like, this is great. He strikes everybody out for a month. And then he's like, oh, my God, I can't lift my arm over my head for the entire winter. But that's not the Blue Jays' problem anymore. Uh, I, I would point you to one David Price, perhaps, as a guy that was uh, ridden hard and putting away wet. But, um, you know, it's 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 kind of the name of the game. I mean, it, it is a little bit of the, the the human gristle and the meat grinder here. But um, mm-hmm. if you can if you can figure a way out, to, like you said, to kind of tweak a thing and maybe try something different and 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 not be as wary of the long term repercussions without being a dick and without being a shitty person who's like, we're gonna fucking use you up and spit <laughs> you out uh, because you don't say it out loud. Yeah. That's just the part that's understood. Uh, but maybe that, that, that presents another opportunity if it's, you know, guys, they can throw every, every game and maybe they can kind of back off some of the, you know, Jordan Romano, which you hope he's okay. But at the same time, he was getting used a ton. So maybe having a couple uh, weeks to, to cool his heels isn't the worst thing that could have happened. Um, and, and I do, I do think uh, that when you look at that list, I think, as you mentioned, Joshua uh, uh, tweeted it out. You look at that, that list and you've got a lot of like pitchers who are, who have been effective or are currently effective. You got to be like, take a breath and think, whew, tell you what, it's going to be difficult to get all those guys work, keep those guys sharp, make sure you're using these, all these different players in the right uh, situations to figure out where where they kind of sit i'm glad that charlie montoya was the guy making those decisions for the rest of the season <laughs> um, i didn't know charlie montoya worked for the fucking high performance department 
So I, I saw somebody talking about that. <laughs> I think he's just following orders. But that was Gregor, I think. Gregor Chisholm was talking about that today, that there was some befuddlement that they had took Chase Anderson out of the game here on Monday. Um, but then apparently there was a hard cap on like 90 pitches. It was like that was all they were going to. Yeah, that's that's what Charlie said after the game. Yeah, yeah. so you. Uh, also, also Charlie looking like Joe Pesci. Uh, quite a delightful moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad that you appreciated that. Somebody I don't I can't remember their name offhand. They tagged us and they were like, "Yo, check this out." Usually, as a rule, I I don't engage with that. I'm like, "No, you don't need to be tapping me on my shoulder. If, if it's yeah. good, I'll, I'll come around to it." But sometimes, uh, you know, you see a, you see a winner and you got to hit it. You got to get the, yeah. so uh, so. Kudos to you and kudos to whoever it was that uh, that sent that our way. I appreciate it. So uh, that's that's kind of it, I guess, in terms of transactions. Uh, again, we've kind of lumped Robbie Ray and Ross Stripling together, which is unfair to Robbie Ray, who was bananas a couple of years ago. Like Cy Young votes. Absolutely yep. insane how good he was, striking out the entire world, um, which offsets all of the well, – his, his whip this season is two, for what that's worth. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, he was great. Okay, maybe the Grammy greatest four and a half, five win year. Um, playing for it's pretty good. Know, he didn't start that much, I guess. But I mean, Stripling, Stripling's been a couple win player the last two years. I must say, though his though his three point two home runs per nine innings this year is not ideal. Yeah, it's not what you <laughs> also want. Also, strike also strikeouts way down and walks up. But you know. were you? Was it you that was observing about the number? All these different Blue Jays pitchers they have that are all like crazy homer prone guys and they just don't seem to really care that much. I was. Yeah. I mean, yeah, since 2018, I think they're, I mean, there's only, there's only like 140 guys who had 200 innings, but the Jays have like four of them in the bottom 45 or so uh, in terms of like home runs per nine, like Anderson, Roark, Stripling now and, uh, and Ray. If there's a new market inefficiency, if there's one good way to endear yourself to the local nine and there's a local fans, it's bring in a guy who gives up a lot of home runs. Fans just <laughs> love it. You love to see it, especially if it's a guy who walks a lot of people and gives up home runs. That's when you're really cooking with gas. When you, when you got a guy who's going to walk the ballpark and then groove. I mean, it doesn't matter how good your stuff is, as we saw kind of with Nate Pearson when he was struggling and, and battling injury a little bit. Um, it's no way to live. Hey, what's up, guys? Be right back with a little bit more Birds All Day. But right now, let's take a brief pause before we do move on. Uh, Ross Atkins, uh, with, under the, the guidance, under the, the supervision, I don't even know, remember, Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins is the general manager. Let him wear it. Let him get the credit. They were like, let's make the team better. But they weren't going to make the future team worse, which I can't think of a better strategy at this time than w- given their situation. That maybe yeah. they can maybe they can string a couple wins together. Maybe they're they're going to go out there. They're going to give a good team a really hard time. Hopefully, in in October they don't. Uh, again, we were you've I, I'm on the record in this podcast weeks ago, not even that many weeks ago, being like they're horseshit. Because they're not a great team. <laughs> but at this point, they're good enough. And if they're trying to make them better, and if the things can click, like you said, it's just trying to throw it against the wall and, and, and see what, what sticks, see if they can catch lightning in a bottle. Uh, you know, they've, they're, they're seeing some, the lightning in a bottle right now looks like Randall Gritchick and Teoscar Hernandez, which again, those, those two players may have worn the patience thin of a lot of fans, but now you're seeing why. Right? Why they gambled and why they slow play and why they drag their heels on on bringing in the next you know the next new thing the next uh, the next post type sleeper or the or the guy who's going to solve the problems because you know talented players sometimes it just takes time sometimes it takes time it takes some 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 uh, lessons it takes some player development it takes if it's Randall Gritchick learning about. You know, letting it get deep. Like that was, I think you mentioned that last time we, we recorded mm-hmm. one of these and Gritchuk have it turning in just way better at bats. And then Teoscar Hernandez magically turning into fucking Barry Bonds and throwing <laughs> piss rods from right field to gun some clown Oriole up by 20 feet, hitting, getting important base hits, game winning walk off singles and hitting home runs for days, uh, turning into the player that no one believed he could be except for one man buck martinez and me 
this is this has been yeah, this has been things. ground zero for Teoscar for Mr. Seeds. <laughs> it has, it really has. So, uh, so it's it's great to see. He and, and speaking of, I, speaking of Buck though, like he was, you know, he's talking about the Teoscar has uh, adopted some of like a Bichette's toe tap kind of thing. Mm. Uh, he's been saying he's been on that recently. He's kind of gotten off the fastballs aren't thrown enough thing, and uh, is on is <laughs> on to Teoscar, marveling at him. But uh, but. Tay Oscar's credit, it's been working. I mean, he's a streaky guy, and maybe you've just we've caught him in a streak, but this streak seems to be, you know, dating back a calendar year, even though that's, you know, not not a lot of baseball was played in that calendar year, but still. That's all it takes. Uh, that's yeah. all it takes. And it, it, it's and you know, where we are now, and when you were calling them horseshit, and and there were all these, you know, the, the arguments, and especially, you know, the, the frustration of the fans was when they were like pissing away games and the bullpen wasn't necessarily being managed as well as a lot of people i think thought and and all that and and i think that charlie montoya was like oh player development in the big leagues and there were all the mental mistakes and those have really tightened up well uh but this is why it's because at the time it's like no but they should be able to like this horseshit american league they should be able to get to eighth and they're showing that they absolutely can uh which is why it was so frustrating in the first place that they seemed a little bit cavalier about like well, you know, we didn't have high expectations, so we're not going to change that. But damn it, you should have. And thankfully, their play on the field has sort of forced their hand uh, into like, like and as you said, you know, not not mortgaging the future. And, and like I was saying, it's like a very a very 2016 esque situation where they're like, we are not trading any more prospects at all. Drew Hutchison, sure, we'll move him, but not like no one, no real prospects. But we got to get better. So, how about a bunch of guys who we hope and think we can maybe fix, who are just having awful years? Um, I don't. <laughs> I think that you would be hard pressed for it to work out as well as it did in 2016, because you know Liriano pitched his ass off. Benoit was really good. Grilly was really good for a while until that kind of uh, you know faded away a bit. Uh, you know, you're probably not going to get that out of these guys, but you got enough of these guys that, you know, you get, you get something closer to their regular performance out of a couple of them. Uh, you've done really well. I think Nick, uh, Nick Ashburn, who we've had on the, the show, I kind of cribbed this a little bit in my piece was, uh, said that I think of the four guys of the, uh, uh, excluding Walker. Cause he only pitched one inning last year. Uh, all the other guys I think were worth combined like 10 wins last year. Which is like okay, that's you know they're they've been bad this year, but you know that's pretty good. Those are some those are useful players if you can get a couple of them to be like that, especially if you know Walker looks like probably the best of the bunch. And the Blue Jays didn't make a big splash. They didn't trade for for Lance Lynn, although they were apparently sniffing around. They didn't trade for Mike Clevenger, who of course went to the Padres. They didn't trade for whatever big name that was bandied about. Uh, you know, the Evan Longoria was a name that I kind of floated around. National League is tough. There's so many teams that are in close that you saw a team like the Marlins, who, for example, traded Jonathan VR, maybe because he wasn't, a, wasn't a good fit. But then they acquired Starling Marte, who, uh, is having a great season in his first year away from Pittsburgh playing in, in, um, in Arizona. Um, and now he's a, he's a member of the Marlins, which is, uh, which is cool. So makes it maybe a bit more difficult, but you know, the, the big splash they made in the winter, they signed Hyunjin Ryu. They gave a 33 year old pitcher like 80 million bucks. What more do you want? You jackals? Let them, let them do their work. But because I think that's, that's the issue, right? That making the team better is important. Raising the floor here and there, making marginal upgrades on marginal positions around the diamond, um, is important. But the Blue Jays are only going to go as far as like Vlad and Bo and, uh, uh, and, and Kevin Biggio and, and then these other, the resurgent Oscar and, and Randall Gritchick, they're only going to go as far as those guys carry them. They weren't going to bring in a huge piece to supplant any of those guys. Maybe they aren't going to sign Yasiel Puig, um, at this point, which would be a shame because that Puig and, uh, Teoscar in the same team, um, <laughs> probably just burst, it would burst through television like, like hearts, like a, like a, like a care bear, just amazing, uh, awesomeness <laughs> exploding into your eyeballs right from the screen. So, it, you know, the food is on the table. So to, uh, as, as they say, uh, they didn't touch some of their, any of their depth. They still have lots of exciting players coming through the pipeline. Uh, and, and they have not de- deviated from their plan. Hopefully, when the time comes again, by signing Ryu suggested they aren't exactly where Cleveland is, where Cleveland had, uh, a great rotation and great players. And they just are, seem a little bit content to just kind of putter along and like absolutely risk nothing 
other than maybe training a guy like, you know, they, they, they had great years with Kluber and then they, they, I saw Craig Goldstein from baseball. No, it was, oh, sorry. It was, uh, Chris Swick from, from, from Yahoo was saying that they had all, they had a great core and they did nothing with it. They made the world series, but they did never look to, uh, really augment it. They didn't really make it the core better. They signed Andrew, they traded for Andrew Miller, which was great in that he, completely destroyed the blue jays in 2016 like single-handedly just crushed crushed their souls and made me not want to get out of bed because it was just so like (laughs) horrific watching him bamboozle the blue jays with his insanity but they they never really made the next step they could have made the team better and they didn't and then they've just sort of been uh, like idling ever since so hopefully the blue jays aren't that we've already seen them sign ryu if they can make a good show of things this year, if they can figure things out, like with guys who might be around next year, or then they can continue to build and tinker and, and, and look at what parts of their parts and pieces of their existing core could come and could go and how they can really build a winner and build a team that can challenge the Yankees and the stupid Rays who will completely turn over their roster within the next two years. Uh, and then when the Red Sox figure out what they're going to do, they'll be right back up there again. So, uh, it's exciting. If, if, if nothing else, it, again, they're not, it's not yeah. like 2015. I was thinking about that, about, you know, I, I, you made the joke. I talked about how David Price's Blue Jays debut pitch eight innings, struck out 11, which is like absolutely insane. Give up a home, one home run and how that, that from, yeah. from the time they tried that David, they tried, they traded for David Price or Tulowitzki, the 28th or whatever it was in July. It was like somebody said, Every time David Price started, you felt like they were going to win. Every single game for that, for those entire two months, like end of July, August, September, every game felt like they were going to win because they did. Yeah. They won like 70% of their <laughs> games for the last two months of the season. This isn't that. So yeah. it's not going to be as exciting, but they're, uh, they're in a, they're in a fun place and they can, all they can do that. I hope that short of like a complete collapse in September, there's not really anything they can do to disappoint at this point. So just like, Buckle in, enjoy the ride, see what yeah. happens. Hope they get to play against I, I, the Rays in the first round and they can fucking piss on their <laughs> dreams. That oh god, please no. That I'll give them a chance, please. If the Blue Jays and the Rays, Rays connect for it's only a three game series. Am I? Am I? It's true. If the Blue Jays and the Rays play three games and the Blue Jays win two of them, which even the Blue Jays are capable of that, and on a neutral site, not even in that godforsaken mausoleum. They had, they had to play somewhere else at so Texas or, or California. The Blue Jays beat the Rays in a three game series and send them home. This will be like, it, for me, it'll be like winning the World Series. I will be so, <laughs> so happy. Uh, it's not going to happen, but it could. Uh, and, oh, so delicious. Mwah. I think people would, I think people would prefer they avoid the Rays. I'm, I'm confident. But speaking of people, you, you mentioned the Jackals. I must, I must say to their credit and to the credit of the people they're speaking about, I've seen a lot more lately. Like you know, I I was a I was a critic of Shapiro and Atkins, but they're doing a good job. I'm seeing a lot more more nice job stuff for them. I mean, they're they're in a it's an easy point to be to be you know to be told that you're doing a good job because the expectations really aren't there yet. It's like you you know, so it's one thing to look ascending and look like you're going to be something good for a while, and then it's another thing to actually put it together and do it, but. Yeah, I mean, they. Uh, I think credit to them, even though you know we can't give them too too much credit for just picking up other teams' garbage. But uh, but I think it made a lot of sense what they did. I think they made them, themselves better. I think they have a chance to have made themselves quite a bit better if some of these guys can figure something out, or if you know it was just a blip that they were struggling so badly at the start of this season. And uh, and yeah, they've got they've got all that wonderful flexibility and years of control going forward. Uh, they're in a really, really good spot, even though, as you say, all those damn teams around them in the division uh, are going to make it difficult forever. So I think that's going to about do it for this edition of Birds All Day. I got a couple things to say. Number one, if there are, if you, if, if there is a hater in the midst, if there is someone who may have uttered the word Shatkins and is now is now <laughs> offering a bit of a mea culpa, I'm offer, say, maybe saying maybe I was wrong. Uh, maybe you want to point them in the direction of the podcast. Maybe you've got someone, a couple Blue Jays are turning heads, and here you are, the hardcore Blue, Blue Jays fan who's been there all along. You say, you know what, you got to do. You got to listen to this podcast. It's called Birds All Day. It's on the Athletic. They can subscribe. You can subscribe if this is your first time. If someone's already done that, if someone's already turned your head towards the show, thank you. Welcome. To birds all day subscribe to the show 
wherever you listen to your podcast. You don't have to be a subscriber to The Athletic. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Overcast, wherever. Subscribe to the show. Get it as soon as it goes up. You're right there. Maybe as the Blue Jays keep winning games, so they, they get in this playoff hunt, maybe we'll see a few more episodes of Birds All Day in a given week. So subscribe. Offer, offer a, a rating if you feel compelled. If this is maybe me compelling you to rate the show, give it a, give it a thumbs up or give it whatever rating system and maybe you leave a review. That would be awesome. If you don't subscribe to the athletic, I really think you should do that. I think you should subscribe to the athletic. You can read everything Stoughton writes about the Blue Jays. You can write everything, read everything Caitlin writes, everything John Lott writes about the Blue Jays. But you can also read everything everybody writes about every team in the big leagues. You can read about the Raptors as well. You can read about Every sport imaginable with some of the best writing talent that there is. Other podcasts as well. So subscribe to The Athletic. Tell them we sent you if you have the opportunity. Subscribe to the show. And that's it. Maybe spread the word. Say, hey, what's up? You want to check this show out? I I saw somebody do that today. Some guy who writes a host an NFL podcast. That's cool. Welcome. Welcome to the Tay Oscar Stan show. That's what this is going to be from now on. Um, and the other thing, when you're talking about you're talking to your friends about the Blue Jays, one thing I want to do that's been a really uh, on top of the, this this powerful moment that we've talked about off the off the off the, the top of social justice of like a really uh, unbelievably strange, uh, uh, some ways the moment in our larger culture. Uh, so much crazy shit is going on. So many just. Unbelievable images that are beamed into our phones, that are beamed into our eyes. Hard to believe some of the the strife and upheaval we're seeing as all of this stuff is happening, still in the midst of a global pandemic. People, uh, famous people who have changed people's lives, people that we don't know, we're mourning. People like Chadwick Boseman, who had a huge uh, um, um, impact on on countless people's lives. Uh, that those movies, they don't mean it a lot to me, but to see the the impact that those movies made on other people. Um, so if you have people in your life, people that you care about, people you would talk about to the Blue Jays about, people you talk to about whatever, tell them how much they mean to you. Tell them how much uh, uh, you value them in, in your lives. Uh, there was a someone I've never met in my life, uh, a guy named Riley Gale. He died this past week. And my, I've never seen anything like it on my Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, just a guy who played in a thrash metal band from Texas and he touched so many people's lives and it really affected me. Again, I've never met him. I've listened to their records a million times, but um, I heard somebody else on another podcast I, I listened to that said that to take that time and tell the people that matter to you, tell them that they matter and tell them why and tell them how much you value every interaction you've had with them. So I'm going to take that and I'm going to pay it forward. So I hope that everybody listening to this can take an opportunity to do that with someone who matters to them. Someone, you know, someone you don't know, someone who's touched your life in a, in, a, in any kind of way, take that minute and let them know. And, uh, and then we'll with them, with us, we'll enjoy a uh, meaningful baseball in September, which is all we've ever asked for for the last uh, 12 years or 10 years or however long we've been doing this. So his name is Andrew Stoughton. My name is Drew Fairservice. We'll talk to you next time. I'm going to